Today's guest, Allison Williams, former ESPN reporter who was fired due to her religious exemption from the vaccine being denied. This is a, a really important episode that her and I, both former me, a former sports reporter, and her currently now working for uh, the Daily Wire with the show The Breakaway and also back on the sidelines with Fox Sports. So happy to see her doing that. It's important that her and I come together for this episode because with her case coupled with mine, we have a chance to really pack a one-two punch in the name of freedom here in the courts for the United States. Because with hers, if her, she were to go on, her and her team, to win this case, it would you know set precedent everywhere that you cannot discriminate based on health status, based on vaccination status, and upheld, uphold uh, religious freedom in this country. And then, you know, right shortly thereafter, my team is to come along and win our case on um, my religious exemption being denied from masking and testing while I was pregnant, if we're to win that, that would then further solidify the fact that you cannot discriminate based on someone's religious status, their vaccination and health status, all of that. So we have a huge chance, the, her and I, with our cases to really um, help others here in the United States in, in the name of preserving our freedoms. And I know um, so many of you are interested in that. And if you want to help out, you can head over to wethepatriotsusa.org to you know make a donation to our nonprofit to help with these cases. You can also sign our petition that we're going to go hand in uh, to our lawmakers in D.C. to help make health status a protected class. So please go ahead and do that. That would help kids in school, uh, people with their employment and everything. And I'm also excited to talk to Allison today about life after taking a stand. You know, life does go on after you um, you take a stand. So we'll have some fun things to talk about with home birth and uh, backyard chickens. Both of us have some uh, similarities of our stories that had have transpired um, since we were laid off from our original sports gigs. So let's talk to Allison. Where do we go from here? Because the battle has just begun. As eyes open, we continue to arm ourselves with the truth in all aspects of our lives, asking questions and relentlessly searching for answers, educating ourselves and forging a new path forward. Hear from real people faithfully pursuing freedom. This is Faithful Freedom with Taryn Gregson, presented by We the Patriots USA, a nonprofit 501c3 organization working to preserve and reclaim our God-given inalienable rights. Hi, Allison. Thanks for joining the show. Hi, Taryn. Thank you so much for having me. I don't think I've met someone in this business that I have more in common with than you, and we've only just met. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? We have so much to talk about, and you know, we'll dive into the nitty gritty of everything. But first, you know, I just want to ask you, how are you and your family and your babies doing? Because they were wrapped up in all of this too. They were. They were a big part of this story. They're great. Thank you for asking. And if you hear them downstairs, I apologize. I do live in a small house, and they are very much here with their dad right now. Um, my oldest is three and a half and he is all boy and into all things you would expect, which is like everything. And then I have Lexi, who's now nine months, almost nine months. And she is just like the biggest ray of sunshine ever in my life. And I look at her and like, it, it just makes things better. It's, it's crazy. I, <clears throat> I have like different trigger points that bring back what we both went through. 
And one of them for me recently was watching the ACC tournament because that was like, that was my gig at ESPN. Yeah. Like that was the one that um, I felt a solidified in me, solidified to me within the company. It was the one that I like got to do the championship game of every year. I never got like passed out. They let me do it. They knew um, kind of the, the hold I had in that conference. And I was watching it and I was, <clears throat> I was getting kind of like bummed, depressed, like whatever you want to call it in a weird headspace. And then I looked at her and I'm like, it's okay. It's worth it. And I'm where I need to be, right? Mm -hmm. um, you realize how many moments you miss as a mom when you're traveling and working. And I miss a lot of those. And as much as I brought my son with me, there was a lot of things I miss. And when COVID hit, it forced me to slow down and be with him. And then, you know, being pregnant with her and getting laid off and all that stuff. Um, I've got to experience so many more just really special mom moments that I'm super thankful for. I hear you on that. I, I think that, you know, all of it happens for a reason. And, um, you know, we wish it didn't transpire the way that it did. But, you know, I, we're actually recording this on my son's first birthday. And, oh, no you know, Happy yeah, birthday. Uh, and it just, you know, it really makes you look at him and you're like, I did this for you. You know, mm -hmm. I did this for you. And I have zero regrets about that. And it, it does make it all worth it. And, um, yeah, it, so it's, it's pretty bittersweet for his first birthday today because it just, it does, it brings it all back, everything that we went through. And, um, you know, I know I probably, I don't want to speak for you, but you know, we don't want people to feel sorry for us or anything. We were sports reporters. That's a, that's a great gig. And, you know, I'm very grateful that I got to spend, um, you know, 15 years in the sports business, working my way up and, um, and everything. But, you know, it was hard. And I know that it was hard for so many other people as well that went through this, whether they were in the sports industry or not. Yeah, absolutely. That was something that I, as I shared my story, and I felt compelled mm -hmm. to do so because of the attention it got, um, that other people weren't. And that was the one thing I wanted to reiterate, like, this situation sucks, but it could suck a lot worse, right? Like, mm -hmm. I'm not going to lose my home. My family's not going to go hungry. We depended on my income, yes, but my husband owns his own company, so he's not going to be subject to these asinine mandates. Um, and we're going to be okay. Our life is going to change, but we're going to be okay. And that's not the case for a lot of families. And I feel not only for those families that um, really, really suffered financially um, because of the mandates and, and t t those that took a stand and had to walk away from their careers or their professions, but I also feel for the people who came from situations where they're maybe the sole income provider in their home and they felt they had no choice but to take the injection. And there's a lot of them in our business. Mm -hmm. I wish they would speak out a little bit more because um, there's, there's so many more of them than people realize. But there were so many that were coerced and not just in sports broadcasting, in all professions, teachers, nurses, you know, police officers across the board. I mean, even if you, know, you worked in your local office. Um, I feel too, for those people who were, were also making the best decision for their family and forced to take something that they didn't necessarily want to continue provide to provide for their family in the only way they knew how. So I think while we have amplified a lot of the stories, rightfully so of those, um, that did lose jobs, I also feel for people who had to sacrifice kind of a little bit of their own integrity, if you mm -hmm. will and succumb to the pressure and the coercion put upon them by their employers and society to get uh, a medical injection and intervention that they didn't necessarily need or want. So I think there's there's um, a lot to be reckoned for on both sides. I agree. Yeah, that's something that, you know, I try to 
to exhibit on this show is grace to so many people that I have on, whether, um, you know, they did, they were able to resist the mandates, they're doctors or scientists that have been standing up in their fields, or, you know, they're everyday people. I talk to a lot of people, unfortunately, that have been injured by the shot. Um, yeah. a lot people who have lost family members to the shot or to the hospital protocols. Um, and, you know, so many of them, I hear stories from from people who did get, who were coerced into, into getting the shot, who feel just a great sense of guilt and a great sense mm -hmm. of remorse and depression. And they also, you know, you know, have some physical um, aches and pains and things like that, whether it's from the emotional uh, side of it or the shot or a combination of the two. And um, yeah, our heart, this is a, this is an issue for everyone um, yeah. who was impacted by it. And so I think that's why you and I took the stands that we did and why we want to speak out about it and help other people because it impacts everybody, no matter what side. It does. And I think that was what really drove me to making the choice I did. Um, because I knew that if I, if I decided to get this injection or if I even like went around and got a fake card, just so I continue working. Right. Mm -hmm. Like people are all going to assume certain things about me and it wouldn't be true to what I believed at my core. And I just wanted everybody to have the right to do what they thought was best for themselves. If that means getting the shot, then good for you. You live in a country where you have access to it and it's, it's free and go get it. Fabulous. And you can feel comfortable and protected. If you have questions, you should be able to ask them. If you have concerns, you should be able to express them. And if something happens because you did get this injection, we should want to hear from you. We shouldn't be shutting down Facebook groups from people that are discussing the things that have negatively impacted them since getting the injection. Why are we not requesting and demanding all the information? I want to know the good and the bad. That's where the informed choice comes from, the informed consent. It's knowing the good. It's knowing the bad. It's knowing how it's impacting people. And then we can better understand maybe it is right for this person, but not this person. Because guess what? We're all different. Mm -hmm. We're all different. Everything affects everybody differently. And so this has had such a huge impact on people on an individual level, a social level, and the country as a whole. And the thing that I thought was just so important was like, we have to talk about this. Mm -hmm. We have to talk about this and everything. If you feel like it saved your life, great. Let's hear about it. If you feel like it changed your life for the worse, let's hear about it and stop with the censorship. Stop with the, we only want one agenda, one side put out there and blasted across social media and mainstream media. Let's just get to the truth and let people make the right decisions for themselves. And so when I was going through the process and like weighing the pros and cons, I knew there were a lot of cons, but ultimately it was my faith and not being able to like walk authentically in that. Right. And, and, and live in like, and be true to my faith and to God and what I was feeling as a person. And then it was also this idea of like, no, this, this needs to be discussed and we need to be able to have these conversations or we are not in a free country anymore. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it went from it should be no one's business to it was suddenly everyone's business, rightfully mm -hmm. or not. And then, um, yeah, you weren't but able funny, to. funny, you notice lately it's no one's business again? Yeah. <laughs> like these crazy, you know, medical emergencies are happening across sports and now you're not supposed to ask if that person's vaccinated. So when did we go back to that side? It's like, uh, make it make sense. Oh, I know. I know. And, you know, we see that we've unfortunately been seeing that um, all over the the pitch and this and the 
the field and mm-hmm. the court and the hardwood that people are just um, collapsing at an alarming rate and adolescents as well, too. And, um, you know, we could probably talk for a long time about uh, Damar Hamlin and all the different issues and how that's been covered by the sports media and, um, you know, and even how our own individual stories were covered by the sports media. Mm-hmm. And it's just um, it is very one sided and um, it is isn't being, you know, reported on from an unbiased standpoint. No. And, and that's something that bothers me across the board in sports journalism is it's just, Mm -hmm. it's become very, very one-sided, especially at ESPN where I left. And it's so weird because I can remember back when like the elections would come around and they'd send out these things and you really couldn't take a side. I mean, you were really supposed to stay neutral, not have expressions one way or the other. And that kind of worked. Honestly, I think it changed with Trump. I mean, he, he, for anything he did well, the one thing he did do that we are still grappling with is there the division in this country, right? Mm-hmm. And for some reason, that, that wedge that he drove, and especially when they started attaching the race up with Colin Kaepernick and all that, it became exacerbated and it became okay to express political opinions as long as they were in a certain fashion. And then that has just perpetuated. And I, I, like there were different moments. I'm like, I can't even, and again, it doesn't bother me that people hold these beliefs, but like sure. there, you know, after the Roe v. Wade stuff was overturned, there were ESPN um, hosts and anchors who on air were um, expressing their dismay, disappointment and so forth with it being overturned that's fine. Like that's that person's opinion. And if you feel like this is an appropriate platform to express it, go for it. But I just thought to myself, you would never in a million years hear the other side of someone celebrating that being overturned and returned to the States and why this is a good thing. And that's where the problem is, right? Like I don't, if you're going to allow these political interjections, fine. Or, you know, when you have your, um, Basketball announcers take a moment of silence in objection of Ron DeSantis's quote unquote, don't say gay bill at a Florida game. Okay, but are you going to talk about, are you going to then go interview someone who supports a bill? I mean, so that's, that's what's happening, right? Like, and and Mm -hmm. we are then able to create these tunnels and these silos that we exist in where we only hear one side and we just turn to the channel that has the opinion that we want to hear. And we don't get discourse. We don't get disagreement. We don't get, like you said, the unbiased reporting because the truth lies in the middle. And, and if we could just have a little more of that and maybe we could find some more common ground in this country. And I think we'd be all, we'd all be better for it. But unfortunately, especially in sports, at my former company, um, mainly, you, you're only going to get one side. And if you lean towards the right, you're you're going to be told to be quiet. And if you lean to the left, you're not. And that's just, that's not right. Yeah. And I think that it's a um, interesting business strategy as Clay Travis likes to coin the term, once you go woke, you go broke. <laughs> I think that you start to um, alienate, you know, part of your audience. And um, it's an interesting business tactic that, like you pointed to, really started to um, take a turn during Colin Kaepernick's, uh, you know, out being outspoken and taking mm-hmm. a knee and everything, because so many people want to unite and to escape in sports. And all of a sudden, um, it's being politicized from all different sorts of angles. And I think that a lot of fans, quite frankly, are sick of it and fed up with it. And um, they don't want that, you know, being served alongside their their favorite sporting event or their favorite team. They yeah. just want the sports and the the beauty that comes with the sports and the passion that people have for their their athletics. So 
I personally do think it's kind of a shame that we're seeing that across the airwaves. And I, you know, I'm, I'm in golf, which is traditionally a very conservative, um, conservative sport. And, you know, Trump really did turn the head on that, especially, you know, you see golfer, the presidents of the United States on both political sides, golf a lot with different golfers. Um, and, you know, that really changed on how we were allowed to to talk about that um, when, you know, Trump came into office. And, you know, we it, it really did affect our sports league and um, everything. But let's dive in a little bit to um, our, our shared experiences, because um, I love talking to you about it. But I also want to note that I've talked to a lot of other people about it. Um, across different spectrums, nurses, doctors, uh, firefighters, you know, you name it. And everything just seems like in such lockstep with these companies on how uh, their their verbiage and when they started to roll out and get um, more uh, intense on their messaging, if you mm -hmm. will, and, and things like that. Um, so just kind of take people through how this was actually a very long process for the both of us behind the scenes before anyone right. even heard anything about it. Yeah, I'll try and, and move quickly through it because mm -hmm. it was a long process. Mm -hmm. um, and it is interesting, as you point out, the timing of all of it. Like, I think we were both let go in October of 2021. Nick Rolovich, who um, I did an interview with for my series, The Daily Wire, the fired uh, Washington mm -hmm. State football coach, he was literally fired the day after me. I mean, it, it, it's crazy how lockstep this was across all different industries. Mm -hmm. um, for me, the process began, you know, really in the summer, um, which coincided when my husband and I were trying to get pregnant again. Mm -hmm. And I, I got first noticed that we would be required, regardless really of um, exemption status, to travel to any event. So to work any game for ESPN, we had to be vaccinated. And I remember talking to my reporting manager, who was fa fabulous during all of this. He was, he was the the one person at the company that I really trusted and really mm -hmm. had my back. I felt like, and he just said to me, "He's like, I can't imagine there's not something we can work out." I'm like, I don't want to say his name. I'll sure, call yeah. Tim. Tim, I'm like Tim. What are what are we gonna do? You know, I, I'm trying to get pregnant. I don't feel comfortable. I've talked to my doctor about this. Yada yada. He's like, I'm sure we can work something out. Let me, you know, make some phone calls, send out some emails. I know this is the policy, but it seems like there should be some sort of exemption. So I started it down that road and he's like, in the meantime, you know, get what you need from your doctors. Call my doctor, tell him the situation. He's like, and this was in July. He's like, yep, no problem. Whatever you need, um, email my assistant and we'll put it on letterhead and sign it and, and send it over for you. I'm like, okay, great. So about two weeks goes by. Um, and I decide I've, I'm talking to HR now and all the people and they're like, okay, well then you have to file for a medical so I go that route. This is where it gets crazy. <laughs> I um, emailed my doctor's assistant. I said, this is what I need here. Can you fill this out? And like, I wrote this up and just have him sign it, whatever. And she emails me back and says, actually, we're having an office wide meeting on Monday to discuss the number of exemption requests that we've medical exemptions requests we've been <laughs> getting within our clinic. And um, I'm gonna have to let you know the outcome of that meeting before I can provide this documentation. Wow. Fast forward outcome of the meeting is they will not be providing any medical exemptions whatsoever for any of their patients. Mm -hmm. I live in California. Yeah. Uh, physicians here came under a lot of pressure from the government when it came to their licensing and insurances and so forth, if they were to write any medical exemptions. And they did everywhere, not just yeah, in California, yeah, yeah, everywhere. Everywhere. And so just like that, everything changed because I cannot get a medical without the support of my doctor. And even though my doctor verbally told me 
he would, um, they wouldn't allow him to. So it, it was just crazy. Like the, um, you know, the, the level levels of just like kind of corporate BS going on mm -hmm. and the politicalization. Right. Mm -hmm. So then I decided to amend it to a religious and ultimately, um, and to me, those really went hand in hand. Like I, yes. I hate this notion that you're one or the other, like it, because you felt like you have a medical, you can't have a religious. I'm like, well, a lot of the medical decisions I make are based on my religion and my faith. They coincide, especially when it comes to being a mom and, and how I want to, to raise and, and treat my children and, and, and so forth. So, um, it was interesting. It was a lot of back and forth. Um, and mind you through all this, I'm going through a contract negotiation. So uh. that was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but we had agreed on a contract right before this was coming to a head. So I had like a three year offer in place. And, um, after a lot of back and forth with HR, they said that they accepted my religious accommodation. Like they, they accepted that this was my sincerely held religious belief. However, they could not accommodate me without creating an undue burden on the company, basically saying I couldn't fulfill my role as a sideline reporter because they wouldn't allow me to travel to any events. Um, which was honestly crap because while some schools had different requirements, there was not a blanket college football. You have to be vaccinated to be on the sideline. I think there was like three schools in the country that required it. So they could have very easily just sent me to games where they didn't have a vaccination requirement and allowed me to test or whatever mask. And I could have done my job. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's why I want to talk about this a little bit because we're seeing similarities in all of this, you know, athletes being treated differently than, you know, the rest of us working around athletics. And or the referees, like in the NBA. Mm -hmm. yep. So you didn't have a mandate for players. I mean, they bullied them into it and they made it sure. very difficult and Kyrie mm -hmm. Irving and so forth in different places. But the referees, they had a hard mandate on. And that's why, you know, Ken and Maurer and those guys are suing the NBA because, mm -hmm. again, it's like this double standard. They did it with the MLB, with the coaches. You know, mm -hmm. but these players had the unions intact in to fight for their rights. And the other people did like us. I mean, we didn't. So we yeah. were kind of at the mercy of these organizations. And, you know, at my time, too, that was one of the arguments that my employer was stating, you know, you need to be uh, going on site. And there were no uh, vaccination, masking or testing rules um, for for me to be on site. The players certainly did not have those um, in place. And, you know, and during all of this, especially and you can we can fast forward to to when you get fired to talk about this right after I'm getting fired during all of this, I have players and athletes reaching out to me mm -hmm. and telling me, you know, we feel the same way uh, as you, but we can't say anything. We're too afraid to say anything or, right. or to take a stand. And, um, you know, it was really hard sometimes to swallow those messages from those um, athletes getting saying those things because they're the one they have a bigger platform than you power. or I. Right. Yeah. Right. They have power. They could have easily if they all would have said no, mm -hmm. that would have been the end of the story. They had the power. They certainly have the um, the padded bank account, you know, the mm -hmm. financial security, I should say, uh, more yep. so than than us. Uh, they have a louder voice than we do. You know, you check keep checking off the boxes and so I don't know how you felt or what you were hearing from athletes you worked with yeah for me it, it wasn't even the athletes like there were some coaches and stuff but it was really the the peers in my business yeah. you know and I thought gosh if you, just, if you would hold your ground like you're such a higher profile name sure. than I am you're, you do so much more for the company from like a content uh an event standpoint like maybe they would listen um 
there was one that really broke my heart and he, he actually got a medical approved, but he still couldn't travel to events. Mm -hmm. And so, and he legit, like he really should not have gotten this injection because of his, his medical history and some of the heart and blood pressure issues he had that he had cured naturally and like through diet and all that stuff. And then he ended up getting the vaccine because he's like, I can't fulfill my contract. Like I can't do these things remotely this whole season. That would be, you know, asinine. It mm -hmm. would be. And so he got it. And I just thought, man, like if you could have just held on, you know, yeah. if you could have, and that, that was what kind of broke my heart is because I knew there were more of us and I knew there were other people that felt the same. And I just thought, man, if we had a collective voice, or even if I knew who these people were a little bit more ahead of time, yeah. we could have mounted a defense in advance and been more on the offensive instead of the defensive. It could have, I think maybe like prohibited them from ever putting this out in the first place. But I think that was a lot of by design. And like, that yes. was part of, you know, the intentional, like, we're going to make everybody be completely disconnected and sheltered and not able to really communicate, interact and engage. And then we're going to make these policies to bring you all together, which is what we all want. Mm -hmm. um, so that was super frustrating. And the other thing was like the hypocrisy. So it was completely safe for me to do my job in 2021 or in 2020 when there was mm -hmm. no vaccine yep. and COVID was rampant and, you know, we nobody was protected. But now that anybody that wanted to be protected could be, it wasn't safe for me to do my job or I was a threat to them, even though now they're protected with the vaccine like that. Again, the lack of common sense from the beginning was what was just really triggering for me. Like th that just didn't compute on any level. Why is it? not safe for me to do my job now when there's a vaccine available, but it was when there wasn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, we were working, they kept it, you know, we were all working remotely. I had a studio in my home and, um, you know, they kept us separated the whole time mm -hmm. until then they're like, you have to come in, you have to come in. Well, <laughs> you know, I'm pregnant. I'm, I'm going to give birth, you know, and you know, in just weeks, you know, really, why can't I continue to do that just for a couple more weeks? If you're telling me that I'm such a threat to come into the office without wearing a mask or test, um, it, meanwhile, my vaccinated uh, uh, colleagues, they can go into the office. They don't have to test or or wear a mask and, or anything. And they're spreading it. Like Exactly. ESPN knew that too, Taryn. That's what was so crazy well, is the NBA so did, finals uh, that summer. So did we, John, yeah. John Rom. Do you remember John Rom getting yes. pulled off of after, yes. after being vaccinated, testing positive, being pulled off so of the crazy. course? Like we had all of this happening uh, very publicly and yet, right. you know, behind the scenes, it very much felt like we were being bullied and discriminated against for making these decisions um, right. based on the vaccine. I know. I remember that was my biggest concern. Um, when I was working through what I was going to do in my options and I was home in Michigan with my family and kind of lost it. I'm crying. They're like, what's what? I'm like, I think I'm going to lose my job. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, even mm -hmm. if I get this approved, am I going to have to be the only one on the sideline with a mask on? And then everybody's going to know, like, I didn't get vaccinated. Exactly. They're going to make all these assumptions about me. Like that was my biggest concern. Mm -hmm. I never thought it would come to me actually leaving the company and losing my job and, and, and all that. I mean, it, it's, it, and, and I think like, well, I don't want to beat a dead horse here. And this is, we've all like, you know, we're trying to move forward. And I get that yes. as a country. I think it's important to remember the insanity that took place. So it doesn't happen again, like golfers being pulled off the golf course and, and people not having to test that can still have it. And like, 
the, the crazy crap that went on. I mean, we live in California. There were people being arrested in the ocean for surfing. You could walk on the beach, but you couldn't sit on the beach. I took my daughter to the playground. I'm pushing her in the swing and I'm got my son next to her. And I'm like, when you were her age, there was a padlock on this playground. Like that's the madness that we lived yeah. through. And mm -hmm. as much as we want to move on and I'm glad that we have in a lot of ways and have gotten back to some sense of normalcy, I think it's important to remember the craziness that everybody went through and that some of us like you and I are still um, living with the consequences of. Yes, we are. And um, we want to make sure, which is the reason why I'm, you know, still following through with mine, that it doesn't happen to people again, that it can't right. happen to people again. And people shouldn't be discriminated based on their vaccination status, based on their religious beliefs and, and everything. But um, I think it's great that you're a testament to people that you can take a stand and life move, life goes on, you know, yeah. you can still go about your career, um, whether you just, you know, whether you're shifted very much so like, uh, God shifted me or you're able to get back on the sidelines like you were, and you were, you're doing a series for the daily wire, um, which is wonderful. Tell people, let people know that there's life yeah. after. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so grateful for both those companies, the Daily Wire and Fox yeah. Sports. And I'm sure with you, with, you know, um, we, the Patriots, like it, it's companies like that, that, I mean, were my, my buoy when I was drowning in this sea of insanity. I mean, they lifted me up. Ben Shapiro from the Daily Wire literally called me a day after news broke that I'd been fired. And his, his pitch was, I don't know what we're going to do, but do you want to do something? And I'm like, yeah, I got nothing else going on. He offered me um, like a, a, a sustainable amount of money that was really at that point kind of life changing for us because I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and he gave me the creative freedom to like figure it out, go have some fun, do what you want to do, let us know, we'll approve it and go. And that was how Breakaway started. We thought maybe we'd do a documentary. We ended up doing these series of interviews instead because it was, again, these voices that I think need to be amplified that just aren't in mainstream sports media. Mm -hmm. So I was so and am so grateful to organizations like that who support people taking a stand and step up for people taking a stand and say, you know, what, that opportunity is gone. That door closed, but we're going to open up this one. And um, and then for Fox Sports like that to me, Taryn, when I man, when I got that, it was so quick. It was like nothing like ESPN. It was literally a text message from my agent like, hey, we're good. Um, when I got that opportunity, I just felt. I felt God like in every part of it. And I was so grateful. And I just started crying. And I, I felt like it wasn't vindication, but it was confirmation that I'd made the right decision. And when I did my first game at Wisconsin and I had my daughter with me and I walked out on the field for the first time, I was with Jason Benetti, um, our play-by-play -play guy. And we, we walked out on the field the day before the game um, to head to interviews. And he looked at me and he was like, you're back where you belong. And I, I didn't know, I, did, I had, you know, sunglasses on, so I didn't know if he could see I was welling up again. I swear I don't cry that much. I'm like, I'm all these times I cry. Um, <laughs> but I, I just hugged him and I was like, thank you. And I was so thankful just to be back on the sideline on a football field. I mean, I, it had been over a year, year and a half since I had been. And I didn't know if I ever would be. I really didn't. And if Fox hadn't stepped up to the plate, this would be a very different conversation right now. And I'd probably would be in like a little darker place. Um, and it just made me feel so fulfilled. And they were, they're such a wonderful company to work with. Um, but getting to go back out there and like be on 
a national broadcast for college football again. And that was where my heart, my passion always was. It's why I got into this business. And to have that taken away in the way it was, was so painful. But then to get it back, like just that level of appreciation. And I, I just prayed that every person that saw me or heard my voice knew like if they were going through something similar, there's light at the end of that tunnel because there is. And I, I hope that I am an example of that because um, I feel so much gratitude towards God. And, and it's like the trust and the faith that I put in him that something better will come out of this came to fruition the moment I took the field at Wisconsin and, and, and went on air that day. And it was, it was one of the best feelings in my life outside of like the family stuff. It was one of the best professional moments of my life. Um, because it's, it's one I didn't know if I'd ever have again. No, that's a, that's a wonderful story. And, um, you know, juxtapositioning mine again, you know, up against yours, if some, if someone out there was taken out of the industry that they were in, like I was, um, you can forge a different path and yep. that works, that works just as well. And, you know, I had, I was, you know, very, very pregnant during the whole, um, the whole, you know, back and forth with the PGA tour, which is the most stressful thing I've ever had. I to can, yeah. It's like what you went through is so insane. And the fact that they put you through that and thought that was okay. It's, it's just ridiculous. But I think that my moment you know, not you kept yours professional, which is great. Um, but my moment a little bit more personal is, you know, my prayer during all of that was please don't let this affect my baby. You know, mm -hmm. what I'm feeling, it, we all know that stress yep. and everything affects your baby. Please don't let this affect your baby. So then, you know, fast forward when the moment my son's born and he's perfectly fine. And then, you know, his personality starts to develop and he's a happy baby. And I was like, that's all I was praying for is that he, you yeah. know, he would still be happy, even though mom was not happy <laughs> at all during all of this. And um, so, you know, my prayers were answered very much in that. And uh, hey, you know, being in the health freedom movement has been such a blessing. And um you know, it's, it's not been an easy road for me and my husband. Uh, we went through quite some different transitions. Un mm -hmm. Unfortunately, at the time that all of this happened, timing was crazy, but God's timing is perfect. So it all worked out. And I want to talk about some of our similarities because it's pretty, pretty remarkable. We also opted for a home birth for our second going through all of the COVID crazy. Now, I've had two babies during COVID. Oh, my, <laughs> my first you're, you're was, a superhero. <laughs> I had, you know, that's how long COVID lasts and how close my right? babies are. But, um, you know, after dealing with it, with the, with the first, um, child, we didn't want anything to do with hospital protocols, masking, all this stuff ended up being the most fabulous experience of our lives. And, um, I don't know about you, but I, we thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes. So I, um, actually with my first, I did a birth center. Mm -hmm. Um, I did ultimately have to be transferred to the hospital and that was a very unpleasant experience. So mm -hmm. I already pre COVID cause he was born in 2019. Yeah. I had, um, uh, an inclination towards, um, natural birth. Like that yes. was what I wanted. That's what mm -hmm. my sisters had. Um, cousins, like I come from a family of very like natural minded people when it comes to medicinal intervention and so forth. Mm -hmm. And for me, something that I heard early on that has always stuck with me is that, um, birth is not a medical emergency. Mm -hmm. It is literally the most natural thing you can do in this world. It's how life is sustained across all platforms. Right. So, um, I thought, you know, 
if it's not a medical emergency, like why are we putting it in a medical setting? And so the more I researched options um, when I was pregnant with my first, the more I was like, no, I really, I want a natural uh, birth center. I don't want to be in a hospital because I feel like if I have, you know, an epidural at arm's length, the nurse is checking to see if I want one, I'm going to end up getting one. And that was really important for me. So for a multitude of reasons, I did a birth center with my first. And then with my second, um, a, the birth center that I had labored with my son at was um, no longer in operation. And as I tried to find another one, they'd really shut down across much of, of San Diego County. So I was like, okay, well, you know, do I do a hospital birth now? I had a great OBGYN who he's like, you can have as natural a birth as you want, like all these things, yada, yada. I'm like, yeah, but I'm still going to be in this hospital setting yeah. and I don't want to deal with the COVID protocol. Nope. And the last thing I want is to come in there and then test me. And then I'm, oh my God, I'm positive. And there's like this separation. Like I will be in such a bad headspace, people in masks and all this crap testing when I'm trying to do a very difficult and beautiful thing. Right. So I just knew I would not be comfortable in a hospital in general, especially in COVID being unvaccinated, all that stuff. Um, so as I started diving deeper, I was like, Tell my husband, I'm like, well, how do you feel about a home birth? And, and bless him, like he has been so supportive of whatever I choose. He's like, you're the one doing the work. I will be there to help you. Um, and he he didn't shoot it down right away. My question was where? Like we're in a really small house. <laughs> and so I got in touch with a midwife and she said, look, honey, I have delivered in RVs. I have delivered in apartments. Like if there is a bathroom and a kitchen and a, like a small little space, we can deliver this baby. I was like, all right, let's do it. So we have like a loft right off our room, um, set up a birth tub there and and went for it. It was awesome. It yeah. was so great. And it was, it was the best part was I'm, I'm one of those people. I don't know about you. I go super late in my pregnancy. It's like my son was 42 weeks. My daughter Same. was 41 and five. I mean, mm -hmm. I my baby's like the bait. So as I'm waddling around in front of my house, my neighbors would see me and they'd be like, you haven't had that baby yet, but where are you delivering? And I'd point upstairs, like right there. <laughs> I'd point my husband right there, like what? So that was kind of fun, um, the looks you would get. And then of course, when the baby's coming and you know, everybody's, they can see the commotion and whatnot. Um, but it was beautiful and it was amazing. It was a little hectic. My daughter came way faster than um, my son. The crazy part was, again, remember very small house. So I'm in the loft. Um, we call the midwives, baby's coming. And I'm like, they're, she's coming now. Like I got to push. Yeah. Like I waited way too long to call them. So they're rushing over. Husband's filling the tub and um, baby starts to come before the midwife even gets there. She comes right. She was the assistant comes out, helps me deliver. I birthed that child with my three-year-old sleeping like, I'm like, like 10 feet away Same. and he slept through the whole thing. The mm -hmm. longest nap of his life. He didn't wake up till almost six o'clock that night. <laughs> I had the baby. I had like the, like all snuggled up on me. Everything was clean and beautiful. And he came in to meet his little sister in mama's bed. I mean, how cool is that? And it, it was is... like this total blessing from God that he slept the whole time. It was, oh, nuts. that is so, that is so beautiful. Our two and a half year old, our, ours was, he was born at uh, six in the morning. So our two and a half year old. She slept through it. My parents were actually here staying in our guest uh, bedroom with us because anticipating baby to come. Right. And uh, my dad slept through the whole thing, didn't hear any okay. of it. I mean, it's it's funny. And the care that you receive from your midwife, um, 
you know, in the, the prenatal care, they spend yes. like an hour with you in your house, every appointment yep. and all of the postnatal care. I mean, it's hands down, um, not just the birth experience, which is beautiful and amazing, but just the, it's just leaps and bounds above the standard medical care we're used to. Well, just think about the questions the midwives ask you versus yeah. the doctors, right? Oh, I mean, God. how are you feeling? You no, know, and they would push me like, no, Allison, really, how are you feeling? Mm-hmm. What are you eating? How much did you walk today? Like they had me chronicle every meal for a week. I mean, mm-hmm. how much water are you drinking? Like where, what's your stress level? Who do you have for, to support you? What is it? Like they ask you such different questions um, than even the best OBGYN because they're just programmed differently. And then the postnatal care too, being able to be in your bedroom in your home and have them come to you is such a relief and not having to get up and get in a car and carry car seats and all that junk. Um, It's just amazing. And honestly, it is so empowering Mm -hmm. and, and it just, it will restore your faith in your body and your God given ability as a woman and any woman that births in any capacity is a superhero to me. And I don't, ever want to sound like this is like, oh, this is harder or better, something like that. Birth is a beautiful, beautiful gift that every woman gives, um, that is given to God that then a a woman gives to this world. No matter how you bring life into this world, you are uh, a superhero. But there is something about um, being able to lean into your body's own ability to birth that is really, really beautiful. And it allows you to feel (laughs) the physical and the emotional ways. the way that baby and that birth process can change you. And for me, especially with the the difficulties of my first birth, um, this was like a very healing birth for me. And it was, uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful gift. And not just because of the amazing child you get out of it, but the process became a gift as well. And I'm so thankful to my body in a different way um, after having children and, and just knowing what it's capable of and how we're, how we're made so perfectly. Right. I mean, like if, if you, and obviously this is, uh, there should be like a caveat, like this is for like healthy births, right. And pre- yes, healthy absolutely. pregnancies, right. Uh-huh. Obviously there are women who have to do different things to, to um, have children, but it's, it's such a reminder of like how, and um, from your immune system to your reproductive system, like how perfectly we are made mm-hmm. and how the hormones release, you know, trigger different things. So we don't feel that pain or so we feel that connection. So we feel that euphoria. Um, God didn't make a lot of mistakes. Nope. <laughs> he didn't make any mistakes with us. So I think it's it's such a great reminder and it's all connected, whether it is, you know, believing in your immune system or your body's mm-hmm. ability uh, to create is is like it's it's so it's such a beautiful testament to how perfectly we were made. I 100 percent echo everything you're saying. And I think that it's so cool that God gave us both those experiences. Um, We survived being publicly shamed and fired from our jobs over our decisions. And then just months later went on uh, to, you know, experience another miracle by God um, with our home birth. So, you know, we both were able to walk away saying, wow, you know, we can do pretty much anything that the world throws at us here. Mm -hmm. And um, I know I felt that way after it all. And so we were so empowered that we got chickens um, in our backyard. (laughs) And I know that you, you guys did too. Um, We did. How much fun is it to have backyard chickens? We love it. Our kids love it. It's, it's the best. So that is a total product of me losing my job. Yeah. Um, I started a garden and I got chickens because those are the things you have time to do that you don't when you're working full time. Right. 
So it, it was actually a funny story. My friend reached out and she had this dilapidated chicken coop and plenty of space. And she's like, hey, if you and your husband want to fix this up, you can keep your chickens here because I know you've wanted chickens forever. I'm like, yes, absolutely. So we did. We made it our little project and we got six beautiful chickens and named them all Aga names. We have like huevos and uh, scrambolata and frittata and um, sunny and and so forth, but um, souffle. Uh, and they're great. And I think it teaches my son. It, first of all, it's really fun just to watch him like chase him around and stuff. Yes. But I think it, it gives him a, a better awareness of where our food comes from, of how, you know, you don't just go to the grocery store and grab your eggs when you can. But this era of convenience we live in, it kind of fights that a little bit. Like you have to take care of and these are your responsibility. And then you get this in return. And it's that delayed gratification that we don't have anymore. Right. Everything's instant now. Mm-hmm. Um, I absolutely love them. I love their beautiful eggs that they give me. I love that. I feel like I'm like providing real nutrition for my family. Um, and that's been, you know, that's been something that I, I tried to focus on with everything I was going through. It was like getting back to my roots, right? Like getting back to um, our, our true role as like women and as mothers and, and taking care of our homes. And for me, it was like, what better way to do that than getting my hands back in the dirt and growing my own food. And there was like nothing better than pre- presenting a meal to your family and knowing exactly where it came from and what's in it. And it's so rewarding to feel like you are truly nourishing their bodies with you know, the beets that you grew and the egg from your chickens and the, you know, the salad from the lettuce that you grew. Like, it's so cool and it's fun. And I think it's an important life skill to have. And with the cost of groceries, it's pretty much the best investment I've made in the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> same here. Same here. We are uh, very grateful that everyone thought we were crazy. And then now they're like, you guys totally. are geniuses for doing everybody, this. Everybody's mm-hmm. like, you are so dumb. What are you thinking? You don't want chickens. And then gave my friend a hard time for letting mm-hmm. us keep them there. You know, yeah. you guys are nuts. This is going to be the end of your, fr- like, it's the best. And now they're like, best. Hey, what are you charging for a dozen? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, no, it's super fun. I'm, I, I adore them. I love that you did that too. That's hilarious. I know. It's so funny. It's, um, you know, I don't know if it is a product of losing our jobs or not, but, um, for us, it's been great for our kids and it's just on that path to, you know, freedom, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's freedom from, to do, to birth, however you would like mm-hmm. freedom to, to, uh, nourish your family, um, in the way that you would like and, uh, freedom to be able to operate and do your job without being discriminated against whether, whether it's all of that. It's pretty um, basic, right? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty basic. It's kind of how I feel like we used to operate, um, in the United States for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that through everything that you're doing, we can kind of restore some of that and get back get back to our roots, just like you said, get back to our roots. So yes, um, and that connection, right? Like yeah. that, that connection to who we truly are, not what we do for a living, not what we make, not mm-hmm. what we drive, like that's all the stuff that we've been programmed to believe is important. Yes. And when it's taken away from you, you realize it's not. And the one place you can't be replaced is in your home. And that's where you matter the most. And so I just think we all need to to lean into that a little bit more and and embrace it because it's the most rewarding part of of, I don't know, for my life, it's definitely the most rewarding part. 100%. I'm right there with you. And um, I love that you're telling some of those stories too with with uh, other athletes and other people that are in sports with the breakaway on Daily Wire. And um, hopefully we'll see you back on the sidelines too with Fox. Any way that people can support you and, and what you're doing with your lawsuit or um, just follow you in general with your career? 
Thank you for that opportunity, Taryn. First of all, I will take all the prayers I can get. So the prayer warriors for um, success in this lawsuit, I will take that first and foremost because Lord knows we have an uphill uh, battle to climb going against Disney and, and all of their nefarious dealings. So um, I will take all the prayers I can get for that. And if people feel inclined to check out Breakaways on Daily Wire, that would mean the world to me. Um, I think it's really important to support organizations that support people like us. And so if they want to subscribe to Daily Wire and check it out, that would be fabulous. And um, I'll also be working, actually I have a, a high school basketball tournament championship game. I'm working April 1st. And this is going to be a new one. This is what's fun about when you pivot in life, you get new opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, beginning of May, I'm going to be working the Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. Couple that of their is events. Exciting. So that it's is fun. So, oh, because Fox does horizon. that. That's right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my friend Jenny so, Taft used to do uh, that. She is. Yeah. She still is. Oh, Jenny's okay. still there. Cool. No, Jenny will do um best in show. And then mm. I'll do like the agility one and best in breed. It's so fun. And I can't yeah. wait to work with her because we've become good friends throughout this with coming to Fox and she's amazing. Uh, but you know, we never get to work an event together. So yeah. we actually will. So that'll be a lot of fun. So all oh. good things. And I appreciate you so much for um, having me on and, and taking an interest in my story and for everything you've done to stand up. Um, it's really admirable. So thank you. No, oh, well, thank you for all you're doing and, and we'll follow everything very closely. And I want to let people know that I'm going to have an upcoming episode with John Root, who is the sports, um, sports, uh, he actually has the breakaway on TP USA on turning point. Oh yeah. USA, we got some so. plaque for our, our names. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. You guys are all doing great. That. You're all doing great work. <laughs> You're all doing great work. He was fired from fanatics over masking uh, issues. So him and I are going to sit down together and talk about that. So just uh, letting people know that they can catch that episode upcoming and you can catch faithful freedom every Wednesday and Friday. So thank you so much, Allison. Thank you, Taryn. And happy birthday to your son. Oh, thanks.